Good morning. Uh, thank you. <laughs> uh, this is an odd thing for me to do. I'm usually hidden behind a guitar. Um, and so uh, I'm thankful for the opportunity to share this morning, Pastor Jason. And uh, I just want to start off by saying thank you. Um, my wife and I started this journey of coming to Corbett about a year ago, which is crazy for me to think. And I don't think there's anything um, more scared that I've run into yet than packing up my, uh, actually quitting my job with no job ahead, which was terrible choice if anyone's wondering, and doing that in faith, packing up my whole house and coming out to New Brunswick. It was probably the most terrifying thing. There's only a few moments in my life where I felt like I was living a movie. And it was the moment where I backed up my truck to my trailer, well, not to my trailer, but to a trailer with my house contents all filled in. And as I was driving out my driveway, it was a longer driveway, I looked in my rear view mirror and I was like, what am I doing? And I was absolutely terrified. Um, my wife and I, we've moved 11 hours from our home and we've landed here at Corbett. And I'm getting to the thank you part here. The thank you part is thank you for making my wife feel very welcome here. It's hard to like move somewhere out of like obligation where it's my job, but you guys have welcomed her. She's not here. She's serving downstairs, but thank you. I get the crying from my father. I think we've been through that before, and so uh, we'll get through the teaching, but this is because of my father, if you're wondering. I'm hoping my son does not get it. Um, and so um, I've made some mistakes in my life. One that I often make is... Um, is not planning out my meals properly. We were just gathered as a worship team this Friday at Juliana's house, and uh, we had a great time together. But I forgot that there was dessert at the end, and I filled myself up too much, and we got to that moment, and I was like, oh no. And the same thing actually happened earlier this week. Pastor Jason and I were at a conference, and I get going through the buffet line. Do you know what's at the start of the buffet line every time? Salad. Salad! Somehow that takes up a portion of my plate, and when I got to the end, there was three meats available. Three meats! And salad was there. Vegetarians, you probably don't understand, but um, just poor, poor planning. Anyways, um, I want to talk, uh, talk this morning about worship. And um, there's lots of aspects about worship that we could talk about, but I'm going to start us off with a question, if that's, if that's okay. And so my question this morning, as I ask you, I'm asking myself as, well, myself as well, but my question is, are you empty enough this morning to be filled by God? Are you empty enough this morning to be filled by God? I'll use a little demonstration. Pastor Jason was praying about water earlier, which I was like, oh, this is going to be a little different than the, the cleansing of water, but work with me here for a second. So are you empty enough to be filled by God? And we're talking about worship this morning. So maybe this morning was just brutal waking up. As you can tell, I'm shaking. I'll get comfortable before the end of the message. But um, this morning, was it just a brutal morning waking up? Somehow the alarm clock didn't go off. Or um, maybe like breakfast was burnt. The roads were bad. So that was kind of distracting. Maybe that's something that's filling you up this morning. Maybe this year in your walk with God has just been... Well, not a lot, you know? Like, you're not really feeling this thing anymore. You're like, does God even real? What's going on here? And that's something that could be just filling up your soul this morning. 
Maybe it's that you've been carrying this hurt by like a family member or friend, and you just can't get seem to get past it. And that seems to be something that has just been filling up your soul. Maybe it's the opposite way around. Maybe it's the fact that maybe you're the one that caused the hurt. And you just can't seem to communicate that you're really sorry. And you've been carrying that with you. We're getting pretty full here. We'll see how this works. Um, Maybe it could be um, your past sins, personally, your past regrets. Maybe it's like a temptation that you're struggling with, and it just seems to be something that you're carrying, and you can't quite seem to shake it. You guys think I'm at the right amount of water here? Or could it be that you've just become numb to this whole Christianity thing coming in here, and you just don't feel anything anymore. Oh boy. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's called planning. Um, And so the question this morning is, are you empty enough to be filled by God? And I think that's sometimes something that we run into. And that's what I want to talk about. And so we're going to turn in our Bibles uh, to Luke 7. Uh, This morning, it's going to be up on the screen as well. We're going to be going through the NLT, and uh, we're going to be trying to answer this question. And so it's Luke 7, 36. For many of you that have been going to church a long time, I'm going to let you know something. You've heard this story before, all right? It's one of those stories. And what I'm asking is that you'd approach it with fresh ears, with a fresh mind, and say, God, would you speak through this still? Through your word. For you that have not heard this passage, I am very excited. You're going to hear about the grace and the love of Jesus Christ and his redeeming power. And so let's walk through this passage here together this morning. The title of it says this, Jesus anointed by a sinful woman. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with them. So Jesus went to his home, sat down to eat. So we get our context. We get exactly what's about to take place here. We have a Pharisee. He's asked Jesus to come on over to have dinner. Now, uh, Pharisees aren't people we talk about super often. I was listening to the radio this week. No one talked about a Pharisee. I was scrolling through Facebook. No one was talking about a Pharisee. And so I want to stereotype a Pharisee right now for us so we're all on the same page. Um, But let's stereotype ourselves first, if that's okay. Let's sometimes, it's like, better pick ourselves. Most of us are Canadian in here. Is that okay to say most of us are Canadian here? I'm Canadian, so this is picking on myself. Uh, But let's stereotype a Canadian. So a Canadian is polite, right? (laughs) Hopefully most of you are polite. Uh, You say sorry a lot. Um, You wear plaid, and Joel, I see that you're wearing plaid this morning. Very well done, sir. Very Canadian. Um, And you use the word A in sentences um, that other people don't understand. And so that's me stereotyping a Canadian. Um, Whether you like that or not, that's what people think of us. And so I'm going to stereotype a Pharisee. And the reality is not the case for all Pharisees, right? We're stereotyping. So this is right and wrong. Good thing we sent the kids downstairs and they're down there. So we can talk about this together. In, um, I'll jump to that in a second. So Pharisees were religious people. Were religious people too. And here's the interesting thing about Pharisees is it's often said that they love the rules 
more than they love God. And that's an interesting concept to try to wrap our heads around. But they love the rules more than they love God. In Matthew 23, Jesus says this about the Pharisees. I had it for a second. They, pra- they don't practice. Let me just read it. They do not practice what they preach. They do not practice what they pre- preach. And so they would enforce rules, but they often forgot about the most important things sometimes. Grace, love, forgiveness. Some of those things that Jesus truly valued. And Jesus gets invited over to this person's house. And I'm anticipating that Jesus knows a lot of things. Like, he's very, very wise. And so he probably knew the situation he was walking into. And it was probably going to be uncomfortable. And what I love is Jesus still walks in that situation. And he still wants to be with that person. The Pharisee would have wanted to impress Jesus. And so we read later on in this passage that there wasn't just the Pharisee and Jesus but it was actually a group of people. And uh, he most likely invited people over he wanted to impress. Rich people, smart people. Like, bring your best friends so that when Jesus shows up, that he's going to be impressed with you. And so that's kind of the situation that we see unfolding. And so in verse uh, 37, maybe a not-so-important person, but let's continue reading. When a certain immoral woman from the city heard he, which is Jesus, was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And so we have this lady, she showed up to the scene, not the Pharisee's intended guest. And Luke, the man that's writing this, Dr. Luke, He's, he's given her the title of immoral woman, which is very politely saying a prostitute. And it was overly kind for him to do that. Imagine with me for a second, but not too long, that I was the prostitute, and I showed up to the scene, and Dr. Luke writes, Aaron Hopkins, the prostitute, for the rest of however long till Jesus comes back, reads this, right? Like, not kind at all. But it's so interesting. She's given a title. And I don't know if this, this, this has been true in your life, but it's been true in my life. It's so often I'm identified from my title, not by my real name. People know me for what I've done, not for who I am, my real name. So let's continue reading. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. I like thinking, like, and just pausing for a second. How did the Pharisee know who this woman was? Did he see her out on the street and just know that's the type of business she conducted? Did he at one time use her business? Or maybe he just heard rumor. I'm not sure. But somehow he knows who this woman is, and somehow she made her way all the way into Jesus' feet, who is the guest that he is invited over, which is very interesting to me. I'm going to read that verse one more time. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, listen to this, he said to himself, 
in his head. If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She is a sinner. And then Jesus answers what? His thoughts. He does only what Jesus can do. And he cuts through everything and speaks right to him. And this probably cuts, caught Simon, which we learn is his name, off guard. And said, so Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to uh, I have something to say. Then Jesus told him this story. A man uh, loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? And so there's two people that Jesus is drawing the situation to. We've all owed money. Um, I've owed money on a few different things. I'll be transparent. Um, I've owed money for student loans, and that's like a scary thing. Um, I've owed money on my credit card, which has been not so scary sometimes, and scary times on the other end. And then there's my house, right? And um, I don't really expect to pay that off anytime soon, but just to let you know... um, if you feel blessed, it still owes number on it. Anyways, um, where were we? So, yeah, three types of def- debt in my life. And so, um, like, I've owed money on my credit card, and I've been able to pay it off that month. There's other times where I've made the silly mistake of earning a credit card and not being able to pay it off that month. And sometimes it can accumulate, and I don't know if you've been there. And there's certain debts in our life like that. Now, What's interesting is Jesus uses these numbers, and do you notice it's 10 times the amount? So let's slow down and just think about that for a second. This is 10 times the amount of debt. So that could be one month, or it could be, this is good, you're seeing a pastor do math, 10 months, right? All right, so I think I did that right. You can help me when I make an error. That could be one year, right? Or 10 years of not being able to pay off a debt. Now the scary part is if you go up to 10 years, hey, If you weren't able to pay off your debt for 10 years, but 10 times that, 100 years. That's longer than you could live to pay off that debt. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisee, and this isn't a money issue at all, right? This is a heart issue that Jesus is addressing and a forgiveness thing. And so Simon answers his question, who do you suppose loved him more after that? In verse 43, it says, Simon answered, Well, I suppose the one who canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. And I love how this unfolds. He turned to the woman, but yet he addressed Simon. And he said, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with their hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. And you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with her rare perfume. And he's still talking to Simon. I tell you, and remember, he's an- Jesus is answering his thoughts. Her sins and they are many, he's saying that to Simon, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who who is forgiven little shows only little love. 
And then Jesus said to the woman, notice that she does, he doesn't use many. He's talking to the woman now. He just says, your sins are forgiven. And I love that passage. It's so clear to me, the love of Jesus and what happens when we get into his presence. And so I want to come back to this, this question. Are you empty enough this morning to be filled by God? And as we, as we look at this, um, I think the lady, the woman here in this story, has a lot to teach us. And I just want to roll through that for a second and try to dive in. And so I believe in order to empty ourselves before Jesus, in order to empty ourselves before Jesus, we must bring all the good and the bad to him. We have to bring all the good and the bad before Jesus. And so in my life, I've carried a lot of things. Like, I don't know if it's me just trying to hold on to my man card, but um, any of my past struggles, any of my past hurts, regrets, I try to deal with them myself. I do. And I try to hold on to them. Another place that I've been in my life is um, the fact that I don't like my past sins. I don't like my temptations. Um, and why would Jesus want them if I don't? And so I have this tendency to hold in all the bad things in my life. I don't know if you can relate with that at all, but I tend to hold the bad things in, in my life. And so I want to look at this woman and seeing herself pouring out before Jesus. And so when she showed up to the scene, she was weeping on Jesus's feet. And that's never happened to me before, but it sounds kind of awkward, and probably everyone in the room felt awkward too. But as she's weeping, she lets down her hair. And as many of you know the context in that time, for a woman to let down her hair in public was a no-no. Like, that is only something you did home alone with your husband. And she did this undecent act, and she let down her hair to dry Jesus's feet. All right? And then right after that, um, we read, I'm just trying to make sure I got it all here. Yep, she started kissing Jesus' feet. She started kissing Jesus' feet. And I don't mean to sound rude, but those lips have touched so many guys in her job, right? And she's kissing Jesus' feet. And then we read that she starts pouring out this perfume on his feet. And how did she make the money to pay for that perfume? She was a prostitute. And what I love at the end of all that is Jesus says, your great love has shown. Wow. The other thing that I, that I saw with this is that her desire to empty herself before Jesus was greater than her fear of the guests. The woman wanted to pour herself at Jesus' feet, and she didn't care what the other guests thought. And I'll be totally honest. I think that this is probably one of our biggest struggles in Canada as a church. Maybe you can relate with me. But I often come in, and I wonder what other people are thinking about me. I've been this spot earlier in my Christian faith where I was scared to raise my hands with certain lines where it's like, what are people going to think? I was scared to sing because um, I knew at points in my life where I didn't have like a good voice. And I was scared to do that. But this woman realizes something so, so important. There is only one person in that room that deserved all she had. 
and his name was Jesus. And she had something figured out there. And her fear of the guests did not stop her from pouring out everything she had at Jesus' feet. She knew who the most important person was in the room. The final thing that I, that I noticed as I was reading it, and this is very interesting, and it questioned a lot of like theological terms. Sorry if I'm making you sweat here, Jason, at all when I say that. But it caused me to question some theological um, terms uh, and things that I've learned and asked me to look at Jesus again. Is this woman never said one word? And we know so much about her. This woman never said one word throughout the whole passage, yet we know so much about her. And you know what Jesus said at the very end? She never said anything. Your sins are forgiven. I was always taught to talk, like tell Jesus, tell Jesus, repent of your sins, like make sure you do that. This woman never said a word, and her sins were forgiven. I'm going to invite the team to come back up here, and I'm going to tie this back in, hopefully just directly into our lives. But I often find that we're like yapping, 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 and talking, 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 yet we desire to hear from God. And so um, there were two people in this story, and this is part of uh, my fear. And so there's two people in this story. The first person was um, the prostitute, right, that we've read about. And the second person was the Pharisee. And we didn't really, I didn't really focus, and I don't want to spend a whole lot of time, but I'm going to be transparent. In this story, I want to be one of two people. I want to be like the woman that left, and Jesus says, your great love has shown. Like, I want Jesus to be able to say that as I'm in his presence is that he knows that he's my number one focus. No one else matters around me, but God, you alone are the one worthy of everything I have. That's what I desire. I want to be that person. What scares me is the idea that most likely I'm a Pharisee. And I say that to you because my grandpa was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. And here I am, a pastor. I know the rules. I know all the things about the faith. And it would be so easy for me to be a Pharisee. The Pharisee was a religious ruler. He knows the rules. He knows what to do. But forgot the most important thing. And his name was Jesus. And he was in his presence. And he missed it. Totally missed it. Joel, I'm going to pick on you for a second, man. But something I love about you is that you are exactly the same when you are right there than you are sitting right there. And dude, you just want to love Jesus with all your heart. Man, I appreciate that about you. I admire that about you. As I was reading earlier, it's amazing how God works, but I was reading my devotions and I read this, Matthew 21, 31. Jesus said to them, Jesus said to them, them is the Pharisees. In Matthew 21, Jesus said to the Pharisees, truly I tell you, the tax collectors, which are the lowest of low people in society, and the prostitutes, which are also the lowest low in society, are entering into the kingdom of God ahead of you. 
And that hit me so hard that I could possibly be that, that God would welcome prostitutes, listen to that, and tax collectors and church people, you understand that, will welcome them in before church people. Let me just translate that. I am so scared, but not a bad fear. I know who I want to become. I had a son this past year, and I want him to see me, and I want him to see me how much I love Jesus. I want to be a pastor that you guys are proud of, that you know that how much I love Jesus. And it's just the fact that would I pour someone out? Sorry, Donnie, I'm going to get past you. But would I be able to pour everything out at Jesus' feet and not be scared of what anyone else thinks? Let me tell you, the situation in that room was awkward. When the lady was at Jesus' feet, it was awkward. Wouldn't it be so beautiful this morning if we were just filled as awkward Christians trying to figure out how we're pouring ourselves out at Jesus' feet? And Jesus would just look down and he's like, Corbett has just shown great love. And the pouring out of his spirit here this morning. And we serve a great father. He is so good to us. Please don't miss out. When we come in here on Sunday mornings, I just want to speak on that where would you just pour yourself out and all those things that we could have walked in with is that they would be poured out at Jesus' feet, just like that lady's jar. And that we would leave here not full of all this stuff that we walked in with, right? But that we would be walking in here full and we'd be leaving with the presence of Jesus this morning. That all that would be gone. That we have room for his spirit to fill us. And so, Joel, I know you're, we, you have some songs to sing with us. There's no pressure here in this next little bit. All I want us to do is pour ourselves out at Jesus' feet. He looked down and he'd say, your great love is shown this morning. Your great love is shown. So let's sing together here, Joel.